0: Thank you for having us on, and thank you for doing this little roundtable.
1: Yeah, I think it's important now because, um, you know, I think, Tracy, you've been at it for four years now, and uh, Randy, you've been at it for three? Three years, and it it seems like everybody started around October.
2: (laughs) Something about the fall. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know, uh you started uh in two thousand eighteen around October, and then Randy, you started around the same time in two thousand nineteen and I started in twenty twenty around October. So here we are. I think every October might uh we might get on this round table and hopefully we can put some new faces uh in the next sessions. So yeah. you know, Tracy you you brought up some ideas about um these stories uh, of of ours that we talk about on these podcasts and you know we're part of this bigger uh, AAPI umbrella can we talk about that
2: Oh yeah so um I don't know I've been thinking about it a lot and I'd love to get your perspective cuz I don't know if it's because I'm from the east coast but I you know I'm very excited that people are paying attention to um, Asian-American and Pacific Islander American stories and history. and um, But I have been finding that the major initiatives that are happening are centered around East Asians. Um, and I think that Southeast Asians is a very small part so far of the whole blanket term AAPI. Um, and I don't know if it's an East Coast thing that's making me think and ponder and notice this I don't know like in the west coast because there's a bigger concentration of Vietnamese Americans if it's different um but I'd love to get your perspective because one I'd love to see if there's differences regionally or what you guys are seeing but also why is that and you know what can we do about it
1: Randy
0: it's a really good question here and I'm still marinating it and to hop off of what Tracy uh was mentioning that it tends to be very east asian centric but also very coastal centric as well. I'm from the Midwest, mm-hmm. and so I think it's important to and actually, I was wondering if you can repeat that question because I want to make sure I'm getting this correct for you,
2: yeah, I mean it's not really it's honestly it's just me <laughs> kind of pondering my own thoughts, but um. You know, the fact that AAPI, the term itself is a lot more recognized than it was when we were growing up. I think, Randy, you and I have had discussions on other um, panels around this. And I don't know if like on the East Coast, there just tends to be more initiatives around East Asian stories and history, or if that's like a statement across America. And I ask that question because I don't know as much in the Midwest, but in the West Coast, I can imagine that. Vietnamese stories are more prominent. Um, and a lot of uh, creators that we have today come from the West Coast. And so I don't know if there's differences regionally or if you guys are seeing something similar.
0: Yeah, I know that there's like other podcasts, there's Southern Fried Asian that focuses on the southern part of the US, which I think is a very important part of uh, the Asian American stories that are out there. I know that they're as far as podcasting is concerned from the Vietnamese, the Southeast Asian standpoint in the South, I'm not seeing it personally, although although I would like to apologize to anyone if I've missed anyone on that. Uh, I I think it's very important to also recognize that, yeah, the Southeast Asian communities heavily exist in places like Texas, Louisiana, Alabama. Um, when we think of AAPI, we're also losing... And this has been a criticism from the Pacific Islander communities that we're not centering them at all in any of our stories to the point where there is actually a call for separation between AA, Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. And I can't blame them because we haven't done our part to include them in part of our stories. So I think the landscape of podcasting, uh, especially from the Asian American lens is still circling through I think it has not been a united front or unified front at this time. I'd like to see it get to, I'd like to see it, Uh, I'd like to see the gap being bridged Uh, very soon on this because I do see that there is a lot of disconnection in some ways. I don't want to sound so pessimistic about it. I think there's a lot of wonderful uh things that are happening in the Asian American podcasting communities. We're seeing more Asian American listeners uh increase we're seeing more uh asian american podcasts are starting to take up space which is wonderful but it's still in a way in the past two years we're still kind of in an infancy level i don't think we're quite there yet and i think we got a long way to go and and that there is still a disconnect between uh other communities and there's a disproportionate number of East Asian podcasters versus the Southeast Asian or South Asians and Pacific Islander communities. So, yeah, I I think it's still kind of early to grasp, but we're seeing the trend that's been uh, exactly,
2: beyond yeah. podcasting. Don't you guys think? Like yeah, it's I not
1: just, yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, I agree. I'm happy that the East Asians are getting um, recognition and they're getting their voices out there. But you're right, the Southeast Asians are not really noticed in the landscape and the voices of southeast Asians are not very loud yet but i think that the job that you know we have frankly is really to find more and to encourage more and you know Tracy and Randy you both are veterans at this um, you know four years it's it's
2: relative
1: it's, it's all relative <laughs> but i mean you know, you you look at the, the the ratings and stuff like that on on different um, things, and you see that you know you guys have made the most traction in 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 the work. But we need to get more uh, podcasters because I have said this from day one. the The way we're going to do this is really to encourage and inspire more podcasters to come on uh, come on the air. Uh, Viet in Vietnam. Does a terrific job of um, of raising and 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 really bringing on new voices. They have this sort of search talent show, whatever you want to call it, every year. And they you know they they have hundreds of submissions, and then they pick out like the best ten, and then they just foster it. And we don't have sort of like that kind of um, incubation or incubator here for podcasting, but along the American communities, they do have those. Kind of programs and they're financed and you know they 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 throw money at it and we I think it's up to us to really to really lift it because our stories are not we haven't even hit the surf, surface yet
2: yeah and I think part of it is it's probably early on in for yeah. our community I mean when you think of some of the other Asian communities the longevity that they've had here in America um, you know is their history is a little bit greater. Than Southeast Asians. Um, But I think Randy mentioned something that is key here is um, the United Front. And I think Ken, you were kind of getting to that, is that, you know, we're we're now in a space, and I think our generation and younger is kind of growing up, we're exploring these creative outlets that maybe, you know, older generations um, didn't feel like they have the freedom to do so because of, you know, all the complications of being immigrants and refugees, et cetera. Um, So we are, I feel like we're in the early stages, Um, but, you know, I ponder the question of like, how can we like accelerate the different types of work that not only us as creators in podcasting, but like nonprofit organizations, filmmakers, writers, you know, everything feels very individual right now still. Um, And I think sometimes it's that united front that creates something bigger, something more invested in. Um, so I threw that question out there because it's something I've been thinking about a lot.
1: Well, how do we get our community to recognize more of this work?
2: Yeah.
0: I, I think uh, for myself, like this year, I've actually been invited to speak at universities, uh, DePaul University and UIC, both of uh, schools that I've attended. And I connected with their Asian American programs. And what I find very important is the best way to reach out is going where young people are at. Mm. Uh, I think it's very important to to frame podcasting as not just a free time hobby, right? Uh, we want to frame it as a part of a storytelling, a part of documenting history, working with professors who are deeply involved with the historical work. I know, Tracy, you've done archiving work, too, and I know you've been connecting with uh, other nonprofits. Uh, Working with other nonprofit communities in the Southeast Asian communities could also be very key in this because they're starting to see the value of podcasting. And I've had many conversations with executive directors to associate directors and staff and uh, and they find that podcasting is a good avenue to listen to what's going on in the community. Uh, They see it as an opportunity to showcase their work. And so, bringing in people like us or any other podcasters can be very much an asset. So, uh, a couple years ago, this conversation probably wouldn't happen. But now we are, at least, it's getting mentioned out there. And there's some people that I know that have not listened to a podcast before. uh, There's a a lot. (laughs) There's, There's there's lot. There's plenty. But when we introduce our work then we're actually planting a seed. And I've seen some people actually convert to being uh, podcast listeners, or at least using someone's podcasts for their curriculum or for um, as part of a project. So there's opportunities out there.
1: What, what are some of your uh, favorite podcasts, whether they're in the Southeast Asian space or American space? What do you guys uh, consume?
0: Can I be very honest? I love listening to both of your podcasts very much. I I don't say this to kiss ass because we're on right now. But I think what I like about both of your podcasts, uh, well, one for the Vietnamese podcast, my mom actually listens to it. And I've told you that it's very rare for me to introduce something like that to my mom unless I feel it's something that's beneficial to her and for myself that we could both bond and listen to and so I love the fact that you bring in a vast area of guests on uh that are from the Vietnamese diaspora or who are uh, Vietnamese Americans or you know just Vietnamese in general and I think it really fits so well across the generational around the generational gaps Um, and for Tracy, I really love the storytelling aspect of your work. I am a huge fan. And I was blessed to be on your show a a few years ago. So, you know, it's allowed me to, 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 uh, to find new, uh, people to follow. And some of these people that I followed end up becoming my friends. So I'm very grateful for both of that. Um, aside from your, aside from the two podcasts that i mentioned Uh, i'm a big fan of politically asian i think they get into uh, a deeper dive into the political landscape and they do things in a very unapologetic way which works for me because i'm a person who's tends to be very progressive and outspoken in my politics sometimes in my podcast and i feel like sometimes a show like that is a good kick in the kick in the spark for that so Mm -hmm. i'm a big fan of their work uh yeah there's hasn't been too many current podcasts that i've listened to uh i do listen to a lot of true crime uh podcasts (laughs) which is a very popular genre of the podcasting sector so yeah
2: yeah i know i love true crime and like dateline shows (laughs) yes me too um i feel like i answered this question last time i talked to you ken so i'm gonna flip it back to you what are some of your favorites
1: you know i listen to um there's this podcast uh called my first million It's a business podcast and they go so wide and so deep, uh, with strategy and, you know, different, they, they actually talk about the numbers of podcasting. Like they break down like different stages of like different podcasters and kind of money behind, uh, different deals. And it's all very intriguing because what I've learned a lot through that podcast is that the stuff that we do just takes time and a lot of volume, it takes a lot of just episodes. And really the reps is what I've learned um, from my first movie. So I consume that a lot. And uh, I listen to Lex Friedman and Andrew Huberman and some sci- a lot of these science ones that because I just don't know a lot about tech and uh, science and tech. Um, but I spend a lot of my time listening to audible books, um, audible books that are written by Vietnamese uh, writers because there's so many now that um, it would take you years to consume um, all of these Vietnamese writers. And they're vietnamese American, uh, Vietnamese-Australians, uh, British writers. So I like try to, um, alongside the film people, I really focus on those two um, as much as I can. Um, and then I'll be, obviously I get into the comedians and stuff like that. But um, there, there's so much audible um books that uh i i listen to when um when i have free time and then obviously the other podcaster but then so it's funny that we're talking about this but we don't have we don't have other people in our space that we're listening to right we don't um, have other southeast asians there we, isn't there yeah
2: it's just like a years show every now and then um i don't know if you've heard their stuff um and it's quick bites. Sometimes it's long, sometimes it's short, but I occasionally will flip flip through, you know, I can, I don't commute on a regular basis Mm. to an office anymore, like most of us. So that was when I consumed a lot of podcasts and audio content. And so now for me, most of the time when I consume it, it's if I'm on long road trips. Um, I know a lot of people consume it, like when they're multitasking, I just, I don't have that brain function but, to, to do audio and clean the house yeah um so so i've had to really like net down what i i listen to and so for me i have to like really love it to listen to every episode but most of the time i just um listen to certain episodes of a show that i love and I think most listeners are like that uh, most listeners are kind of like either they're binge Listening when they discover something they love, or they're just jumping around, right? Um, but side is interesting. There's another one, um, overseas Vietnamese. Oh, yeah,
1: they they, don't know if they're still producing, they don't, and it's such a pity because I love that they're they're um, I think they've only have 10.
2: Yeah, you know, I think the concept was there, right? The concept was there. And, you know, like you guys have said before, it's a lot of work. It doesn't seem like it. People think we just come on and we yeah. talk. And yes, that's a lot of what we do. <laughs> but actually, the behind the scenes is a lot of work, right? Um, but there, you know, the concept was there. And they have a couple of um, interviews where it's quite interesting to listen to people who, you know, are either born and raised or just spent their whole life outside of Vietnam. And now it's like they're going back to Vietnam and like, you know, they're all about rediscovering themselves by living there, um, working there, building families there. And then there's just, I don't know, I find it very varied and interesting. And it's one of the first few that I've discovered that is more transnational. Right. Um, You know, I admit my show is very U.S. centric. um, And, you know, I have some, I know I have listeners all over, but the majority of my guests are U.S. based.
1: Yeah. I love that you brought up that podcast because, um, it's God, it's such a pity that it just stopped. You know maybe
2: we should call them. My, and my is one of the co-founders. I forgot the other one's name.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, you know, they, they, they had something there and, and that's the thing. That's like so many people. That's why I really admire both of your work. I've admired it from like, from afar for so long that Randy, Tracy, both of you, you know, I know how much, it takes to keep going. It's a difficult. It's a difficult path. It's not easy.
2: No, well, and it feels like um, a lot of it is. No one's like making us accountable, right? Yeah. You I mean, really. The reality is, no one's <laughs> making us accountable, but we feel so accountable to continue and produce. Um, you know, I think over time for our listeners, because we have people who really like enjoy listening to our stuff and waits for like new episodes to drop but at the end of the day I think we all feel personally driven to have our our narratives of our community heard too I think what I love about Randy's too is that he is so like honest on his show sometimes I I probably am overly polite because I try not to be too subjective Um, so I always come in with an objective point of view and I kind of let the individual steer but like Randy's very like confident and straightforward on his points of views. And I love it. And so that's what drives you. I'm sure Randy is being able to express that and then seeing what others have to say. It's not like you shun other points of views, but you know, you're kind of setting the stage that it's okay to express it. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, that's what drives the three of us. It's us, you know, no one's like, we're not getting paychecks that um, result in an episode being dropped.
0: No, no, <laughs> yeah no i i I absolutely agree with tracy and thank you for lifting that i think when you begin a podcast and i have had people who are interested in becoming podcasters reach out to me and i have to be very straightforward with them because one of the things that really hurts my heart and i've seen this happen in the cambodian community where there was a number of cambodian podcasters and they just dropped out within a year and Mm -hmm. it's like i don't I don't like to go through that disappointment so much so what I would tell them is what is your mission what is your why I need to know your why because if you're going to have a podcast that's going to be very casual like as if you're talking to your friends and not take it seriously you're not gonna last more than five episodes guaranteed I mean I was very upfront with that like like I'm a podcast, not only am I a podcaster, I'm a podcast listener, and I devote at least an hour to when I'm either driving to work or when I'm taking my jogs, that I need to know that you have passion, that you are, that you have a level of expertise, but more importantly, curiosity in your work. I need to know that you have that curiosity to know what's going on with your subject. And... That is something that drives my work because when I started doing the Bummy Chronicles, I come from more of an organizer background. I came more from uh, a son of a refugee background that wants to hear stories, that want to uh, hear stories that go beyond the stories that I'm familiar with. And it was very important for me to identify stories that, that are intersectional, that are deepened they're layered because my story is not the full entire Asian American landscape. It's not the full entire landscape of Vietnam or Cambodia. It's, you want to bring in people who can help to deepen that because Asian Asia as a continent on a global scale is into the billions. So my story is not speaking for the rest of the continent or rest of the globe and it was very important for me to at least try to dig up people not just people who are prolific but people who are community members who have good stories and this is another reason why i like your show tracy is because you do encourage a lot of community members who are not who may not be who may not have had a platform on other on other shows but at least on your platform that you see their stories. You see their stories as being unique and important to the history making that we're doing. So I think to make the long roundabout way of answering this is that, your curiosity has to be the one that's driving your work. And that's how you build longevity and your curiosity also has to tell you to take a break too. Right. Because in order to gain more curiosity, you have to have pauses. And this is, this is the reason why I do seasons. And this is the reason why I am eager to now take three to three to six months away so I can rest up and let my creativity build up and where my curiosity would again take over so yeah, that's a great point point
1: that yeah that's a really good point that i um i completely agree i do that too i'll, I'll batch i I'll do like 20 episodes a month and then i'll just take like a month or two off and that really does stimulate the you know the curiosity and um it it it, it, it if you don't do it then you it becomes stale and after you're biting your lip randy i'm like i'm curious what you're thinking
0: but uh yeah uh, 20 episodes a month i'm i be i i, like oh my like God. I don't anymore.
2: even want to share my numbers
1: <laughs> no but uh, you know our formats are so different though i'm just like shooting at the of top i'm head. like eight episodes a
2: season if.
1: <laughs> yeah but it's so, you know the the quality that both of you bring to the table is i'm just like hitting record and then i air it so there's you know it's there's and that's another thing we can't compare it, right? Because it's just so the different formats that we're all doing. But but I but I just wanted to, to to agree with what Randy said about the the break. You definitely need that break to kind of air out your brain, to to drive that curiosity.
2: Yeah, I I also wanted to mention I love um, on your show Kenneth that you have episodes in Vietnamese for the interviews in Vietnamese. I think I sent you an email. Your Vietnamese is actually really good. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm always like embarrassed by mine, but um, I love it because I, you know, when we say like, not everyone's listening to podcasts, it's absolutely true. It's still growing. Right. And it's, yeah. it's obviously popular now, but I think it's popular with a specific age group or range. And then when you talk about the Vietnamese generation, I mean, my parents aren't listening to podcasts. I don't know if yours are. Um, and I love that you have a couple of episodes in vietnamese because that's what i've been sharing with my mom to break her away from the youtubes Mm. because Mm. i mean the youtubes meaning like you know some of you know what's out there and like (laughs) they suck our parents in for hours (laughs) And so I know it's because it's in Vietnamese, right? And I know it's about talking about topics that, you know, my my parents can relate to where they feel like, oh yeah, this is my generation. And so I think some of your episodes because it's offered in Vietnamese um, and that you have also a wide range of types of guests and age of those guests, that it's, it's a way for us to grab those older audiences um, You know, because I always tell people like, I think the majority of people, I interview people from older generations, but they're not necessarily the ones listening to my show. Right. One, because normally I have to help them download an app on their phone and show them how to find my show. But the other reason is because, you know, they're the ones that live through these experiences. They don't necessarily want to relive it um, with other people's stories. And I get that. Um, so, who I interview, who the audience is, is actually for at least my show. It's a little bit different, um, but you know, it, it blends in, in some episodes.
0: Yeah, I also want to say that my mom listens to your show only because there's a Vietnamese uh, parts of it, and when you have like you know the Paris by Night host, on, um, my mom's going to be very interested in listening to it. So it's it's interesting to me because. It's funny how I can actually listen to your show and my mom can also listen to it as well. And we've actually listened to it together in the car. And I have yet to find shows like that where we could actually bond,
1: mm.
0: right? So I'm very thankful for your approach because it does matter and it gives permission for uh, for our stories to be told, uh, but it also gives Gives permission for elders to know that they do matter. That, you know, time is not on our side because that generation is slowly transitioning out. So I'm really glad that you are very um, intentional about making sure that their stories are included and that you give that audience an opportunity to listen to these stories. I'm grateful for both of your your kind words.
2: Oh, and on a lighter note, it helps me improve my Vietnamese by listening.
1: <laughs> awesome. You know the the one thing that I don't want to have happen is like the three of us or the five people in Vietnamese podcast uh space becomes like this perceived gatekeeping community. And here's what I mean by that is like I there's mm-hmm. some people that I want to interview and I just haven't gotten a chance to really get to because I'm not I'm not sure how to approach and I feel it's just my own weird insecurity that it's being perceived like I'm gatekeeping, but it's not that. It's just I just don't know how to approach some topics or some guests. In, in, what do you mean in, by gatekeeping,
2: like you're not? Interviewing yeah, because,
1: them? yeah, but gatekeeping is like you know, okay that that group is you know is good enough to come on the podcast, or that group's not good enough. You know, like oh, my 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 perception is uh, like the gatekeeping of what good culture is you know i don't that's why i don't like that's why I, i i quiver in my boots when i think about like i wish there were like people who are just a little bit older than me doing the vietnamese paris by night community or uh shoe collectors you know sneaker heads that are doing um that are Vietnamese but you know they do sneakerhead stuff in Vietnam and and that way we could have a really really limited out community of podcasting and showcasing and amplifying more voices but I I like I really get insecure about um and that's why I just try to do more because I I feel like I I'm just trying to amplify more stories and you, you know get to more stories
2: I mean I think by by encouraging more podcasters to come to the space um we can help create platforms where more people can feel like they have opportunities to share their story i mean i would say you know what i would encourage is if if somebody wants to be in the podcast space really think about what types of stories, topics, or what are they trying to um, bring forward to the listener that's different? Because otherwise you just have all these choices that our listeners then are like, well, what's making them different, right? And I think their time is valuable too. So if you're going to start a podcast, think about what what you're bringing to the table that's different for a listener, um, because their time should be valued. But, you know, it is an opportunity for podcasters to create shows that um, again gives these platforms, but is still unique in its own. Like we talked about the uniqueness of ours. Um, I share something similar in terms of experience. I don't necessarily uh, categorize what we do as gatekeeping um, because we are quite selective on what we share on the yeah. show. Um, but we do that because we get tons of inquiries of um, people who you know, want to promote their work, and and I celebrate that, but, you know, our mission isn't about that. It's about individual stories and experiences, Um, and at the end of the day, I do tell people our podcast is a show, and so with every show and every season, I think of it as a mini series, and so, you know, I want every episode to be engaging. I mean, that's kind of my goal. Every episode is engaging, and for those reasons, we are selective. However, we have other programs that we've developed for the sole purpose of what you just shared is mm-hmm. like, you don't want that to prevent you from sharing your story. We encourage blog sharing. Um, we actually publish a hundred percent of blogs that come our way. We wow. do provide people feedback just to, you know, help them kind of make the story a little bit um, tighter for a reader. Um, our journeys map platform is designed to have people submit their stories so that we can display it. Um, phase two will be way better looking. My data is kind of clunky right now, but that was created because I knew that our team doesn't have the manpower to record every story that people you know, put in front of us, but I wanted to create something that every story is valued. Um, and so the journey's map is something that we're building so that anybody can submit their story. It will be profiled. We're gonna have filters where people can search different types of stories that have been submitted. Um, so I think there's other ways to do it, because to your point, Kenneth, I mean, you're probably producing so much because you want to be able to share everything that's out there in our community, but it's not feasible for you, right? And so I, I think that we just have to have more podcasters in this space, making unique shows, um, you know, providing more opportunities for the shareholders, as storyholders. and um other platforms that they can share it on it doesn't have to be a podcast you know like we said not everybody listens to a podcast there's other platforms to to showcase these stories
0: amen to that and i think just echoing what tracy just uh, beautifully mentioned is i think when when i do a podcast i keep i'm very big on seasons i'm very big on themes and i think it's something that you're very familiar with tracy because i do get inquiries from people that want to be on my show and sometimes not all of them understand my mission and i have to relate to them and say hey this is the angle that i'm going at this is the reason why i don't do open inquiries for people because i pick my guests and i do my research on my guests and i have to look at the way it's being curated between each guest for that season, you know, I look in terms of equity, I look in terms of, of the kind of stories that they have that's very similar to the theme. And unfortunately it, it doesn't help that there aren't very many of us in that landscape in that sphere. Right. So, I would always encourage them to, uh, start their own content. I tell them that, you know, we have up, op- there's, it can't just be us doing the work. Y- if you have a story, there's opportunities to do it, whether it's do blogging, whether it's through TikTok, whether it's through YouTube, there's opportunities out there because, because what used to be 20 years ago, it was a lot harder. There was, the gatekeeping culture was so strong, right? And now that we have freedom to use these platforms, people are finding these contents a lot easier these days. I mean, I'm finding new people almost every day on my Instagram and some of them end up being on my show because they answer a lot of the things that I want on my mission. So yeah, I think, I think that anytime I have to say no to a guest, I would sometimes refer to to other podcasters. I will refer to people that I know as best as I can. I could try to find ways to be supportive in their work, but I can't be everything to everyone. And I think that's something I've learned along the way is you just can't be everything to everyone. You can't take on the burden of covering the landscape of Vietnamese Americans. I can't be responsible for telling the stories of Cambodian Americans. There's gotta be other people involved here. I can only tell part of mine and my show is not just on Vietnamese and Cambodian people. They involve South Asians, they involve East Asians, they involve uh, a plethora of Asian Americans and, and there's too many to cover and I can only cover a tiny pebble uh, out of an ocean. Ken?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, sorry to interrupt, uh, Ken, it's just one more thing. I, I think that's why the VPP journeys map is such a big mission of mine um, is, you know, because we are trying to lead people to the platform to say, you know, don't wait for us to record your story and put it on the pod- podcast, like, you know, share your story here and it's going to be documented. We're trying to create a space so that every story gets highlighted um, because we want that. But You know, we, there's only so many hours in the day and kind of, I think you're being too hard on yourself. You're being a gatekeeper, but you know, you have to like try war times, right? I've had friends
1: who've said it. It's like, well, why don't you let that person on or that person? And, you know, and then I have to defend it, but that's just, you know, that's just part of the territory. I get it. And, you know, as I'm listening to both of you here, I just had a crazy thought and I literally need to
2: share yours first.
1: Okay i just had a crazy thought right now is are we open to perhaps sometimes in the distant future putting on like a two-day summit for southeast asian podcasters somewhere in the midwest right in the middle of the country and chicago chicago would be great i love chicago we do it and it's just a two-day thing the three of us will put it together and invite Anybody who's interested in becoming part of the landscape of the Southeast Asian um, podcast community to come out and then we can set up some seminars or, you know, and we just do it for free in the beginning, you know, like, you know, we just set up something where we are kind of spreading community vibe and, and, you know, really dedicated to kind of spreading the word and the mission of Southeast Asian More Voices Amplified.
2: Yeah, I love it. I mean, I wasn't thinking anything too large scale. I had a much smaller thought, but I love having a seminar. I mean, I think, you know, we can even start out of doing something live online and calling people, hey, if you're interested in podcasting, we'd love to share with you our experience or answer your questions, um, just to see what kind of interest is out there. But um, I love the idea of gathering us together, being a community, us sharing our experiences, um, you know, letting people kind of craft their creative ideas of what their show might be um, and making it smaller. I think it's important because, you know, there are so many podcast festivals out there, both online and in person nowadays. Um, and I think for someone who's starting out, it can feel intimidating when you kind of go to some of these bigger events.
1: Yeah, I I don't Um, know if it would be a festival, it would just be like hopefully 10 people, 15. Yeah,
2: that's what I was saying like something small and intimate and hands on and cultivating. People are really serious about this.
1: If somebody's dedicating their weekend to fly out to Chicago, Mm -hmm. maybe you know, they that's that's dedication and that just shows. Even if we get 10 or just a dozen people to come and spend the weekend and we can sort of like talk about our experience and, you know, help them along and help craft like a mission and just kind of like really bring this part of the the, the podcast landscape up. I think that would be very fun to do.
2: Yeah, We should do something online small to see what interest is out yeah. there.
0: Yeah, I agree with Tracy on this because yeah i think right now it's hard for people to travel and i think at this time it'd be good to kind of just get a quick snapshot and and just build the momentum but yeah an in person eventually can work too but i think it also has to start small it has to start somewhat somewhat hyper community based yeah hyper community based yeah and and also like thinking about who do we connect with as far as whether it's university or organization it's a possibility. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great opportunity for uh, young and older, po- uh, younger and older audiences that are very curious about their stories. And even if it's not a podcast, they may create another platform out of it. And yeah. that's
1: a good idea. Uh, hooking up with other um, other groups and organizations like Pivot or Devan, where they have uh, people that are actually have to ask me. To kind of like talk to them about you know podcasting podcasting for their members in the future. So yeah, that's a great idea to team up with um, with other organizations.
2: Let's do it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and
2: well, you know what, Kenneth? Maybe even for another talk, we can invite like the um, the hosts of overseas Vietnam.
1: The wait, the what? The, the
2: overseas Vietnamese, and then yes. um, Ooh. growing up, win. They were on our Story Slam this past year. It's four and Win's uh siblings who started their own podcast. I don't know how many episodes they have, but like it would be fun to invite some of the other um podcast shows and you know maybe have like five or six of us.
1: Absolutely. I completely agree. Randy, were you gonna say something?
0: Oh no, I wasn't. Okay.
1: Well, what's in store for us? What what what's uh, what can we expect for twenty twenty three? Okay.
0: So <laughs> I'm gonna get back into podcasting uh, again it's <laughs> I, I was taking a hiatus and i was really burned out and i'm currently working on my capstone and so it's a lot to deal with and as a result um the hiatus has been very good to me and it's actually giving me more clarity it's giving me more ideas to work with so for next season, my eighth season is going to start. It's going to come out uh, beginning of 2023. And I have named it, I have named the theme. It's called A Hero Comes Along, which is definitely a take on a Mariah Carey song. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I know it's a very sappy reference, but I decided, but that just, that's, that just came up for me. And I'm actually looking to, uh, to introduce guest hosts. Onto my show as well. Oh,
2: I and love the idea. Yeah,
0: I'm very excited about it. Uh, and it was the idea that Amy Mlay, who you know, who you know, Tracy, uh, is a dear friend of mine. And she's like, you should have some guest hosts. Maybe that'll take up some of the burden from you. And I'm like, you know, I think it's a great idea. But I think it'll also let, it'll also help me to to lessen the tight grip that I've had on my show from the beginning, which I think in a way, contributed to my burnout because Mm -hmm. I was doing producing, the curating, the narration, editing, promotion, scheduling. I did all of that. And it kind of wears on you after a while, especially after three years and nearly 100 episodes. So I decided I wanted to change some routines uh, that I'm That i've been accustomed to so the idea of introducing guest hosts is certainly something i'm looking forward to doing uh i'm i'm eager to share some of my new guests that i'm gonna have on and i'm also looking to do a instagram live feature it's still up it's still in the early infancy stage it might be a once a month experiment but it'll go beyond the asian american lens i'd like to interview other bipoc creators and and I'd like to probably start off more hyper local first, so that also might uh, enter into the uh, conversation. So I'm I'm looking forward to what 2023 looks like, and I hopefully it won't be as hectic as this year has been.
1: Very cool, Tracy.
2: Yeah. um... So we're, we're working on a new season. I, it probably won't be produced by 2023. Um, so I think what we have been talking about, which you're hearing it first on this discussion is um, re-releasing some of our older episodes with follow-ups with some of the interviewees. Very I know great. A lot of people that have been on our show, um, the specific moment where I interview them, they're going through a very like intensive personal journey right and it would be actually kind of interesting two years later to see where they are in that journey you know like and even have them kind of reflect back on their own story and interview two years ago and where they are today so we've been toying with that concept the only reason why we're um, pausing on releasing you know 100 percent new episodes we'll have a couple new ones but Um, My mission for the next stage of the the podcast is I'd like to be in community more than we've Mm. been able to. You know, I started in October 2018 and 2019, we were gaining a lot of traction. So we started doing a couple like on location community pop-up recordings. And then as you know, the pandemic hit and we just haven't done them since. Um, So my mission for next year is to be back on location in some areas. Um, I've already got some space in New York City where we're gonna release some recording dates. Um, but I'd like to do some other pockets of the country and be in community because the thing is, um, most of our stories is people coming to us sharing and then we're kind of recording and then navigate what we want to be on the show. But like you guys know, there's so many stories out there and the community uh, from fascinating people you know that don't really know that we exist unless we're out there saying your story is important. Um, And I think that work is important for us as a nonprofit because it's not just to source content for the show, but we're building an archive as a nonprofit, right? And we're trying to um, create this collection. So, you know, a lot of moving pieces, actually a lot more work. I thought I would lessen my load but I've actually created more load. But I think it's important. I feel like it's the next evolution for us. And we were trying to get there in 2019 and, you know, just COVID, put a huge stop to it. And I just want to be back out there and I want to be like, you know, talking to like your parents, your aunts and uncles, you know, my parents, friends, like just kind of like telling them, you know, what we're all about and hoping they'll share their stories.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I, uh, for 2023, want to get into more risqué guests. Guests that, you know, I I think I've been very conservative with the people that have come on. I want to get people that are people that I didn't have the courage to bring on in the last two years. Um, There's a lot of, like, controversial rappers, or there's people that are more like political dissidents that are coming out of Vietnam. Um, and bringing more guests from Vietnam on um, and just stretching the idea of what uh, Viet Thanh Nguyen has said. Uh, We need plenitude in our narratives. We can't just have the model, you know, literature uh, figures and the people who are in film and doing good things. You know, I want to bring on more people in the incarceration space. And, you know, so I want to just stretch a little bit more in 2023. And the other thing I want and I've been talking about all year is to have the like the shorter segments, the eight minute, like talking into a camera, talking about certain topics that um, I haven't been able to really pull off. I, I write a lot, but I haven't really had the courage to really look into a camera. That's very difficult work for me. So those two things I want to definitely bring on like riskier um, guests and, and not play it too safe, uh, as safe as. Are you?
2: As- do you want to mention any of i guess you're thinking or no not yet
1: yeah i mean I, i'm bringing on a, a longtime friend of mine um he's a rapper is an old rapper from from the bay area and he just uh he raps about real like marijuana a lot you know what weed and women and you know it's really controversial you know and he's a friend of mine that i've really debated um, you know, we've talked a lot about coming on and I just, for one reason or another, I just, you know, I think internally I haven't pulled the trigger, but now I'm going to do it. Cause you know, I think the time is now. And yes,
2: I think so too. I mean, you know, I think it's so important for us to think about how our shows evolve. Um, because I mean, I know, I feel like I'm probably the veteran here, but, um, it's like when we started this, all three of us were in different places in our lives, right? And so like our show is a very specific way. And then slowly, you could probably notice us expanding to different yeah. spaces. But that's a reflection of our own growth, right. right? And so that's how I feel too. And, um, you know, some of the topics that I, I'm i very much um, a fan of what you, where you're going with this, because some of the topics that I want to explore in our next set of new series is, um, well, we've already released a theme, it's going to be then and now, and really the idea is, yes, we're about preserving history and, and experiences, but we wanna really talk about uh, where's where has it evolved today? You know, where are the gaps? Where is there still tension? Where are there a d- divide between generations or communities within our culture, you know? And, and that exists. And to your point, it's like, we can't just talk about all the rosy good stuff that we've been doing. We've gotta talk about both because we are very dynamic as a community. Um, and so it sounds like all of us are kind of already mm-hmm. stretching towards that path. And I think that's exciting because that's kind of where our minds naturally yeah. go as the show grows, right?
1: I'm scared shitless to be honest with you, because I don't be you know some, some of the lyrics are misogynistic, they're you know, you know, all of that stuff that scares me. But I guess I just have to call it out we on can the show. Have a,
0: We can have a prep talk on that if you want. <laughs> because yeah. because like for me that Doing these kinds of interviews gives me curiosity, and mm-hmm. like I know, a year and a half ago, I interviewed Helen Zia, who's a known Asian American activist who um, was actually—I'm—I'm um, I'm having a brain fright at the moment. She was uh, advocating for Vincent Chin's uh, family after he was murdered uh, forty years ago, and. We were having this debate about police abolition and she actually was more on the reform side and i had to challenge her on that and actually um not long after that uh she told one of my friends that she was she felt like she was backed into a corner with that Mm. she's like i hope that the abolitionist organizers aren't going to come after her about that so but i i did not I wasn't trying to go there, yeah. but I felt like I had to because I needed clarification. And sometimes the worst thing you could do is being too safe and too cute. Hmm. You, know, like you have to have a way, not because you disagree with them, but because you need clarification. You also realize that for your audience, you want them to know that there is a level of accountability But there's also a level of, of let's just not skate this without getting questions in. And I feel like when I go into a show, it's very important for me to just uh, not to go after them, that that's not my goal. Right, exactly. It's, It's basically because you're there because, because what they're talking about is very complex and it needs a way to, um to at least i don't know if it's the right i don't know how to frame this but but that's at least in a way that audiences can understand where they're coming from where their roots are coming from how they were how they came to this idea or how they came to this work that they're doing
1: right
2: yeah i mean i think it's it would be you know it's important on i guess the delivery and i think kenneth your delivery i don't think would ever be offensive Um, because I think when you put a guest in a position where they have to defend their point of view or their work, that's where things get like
1: dicey. dicey.
2: But you know, when you're coming from the perspective that Randy just mentioned, where it's true curiosity, right, of trying to understand the thought process behind something or a point of view or a piece of work. So I think it comes back to like the delivery of You know how you interview and how you question and stuff and you you got that down
0: yeah well thank you i feel like
2: you're cheerleader
1: (laughs) (laughs) well thank you both the hour went by so quick and you know we um should Revisit uh, this idea of like yearly coming on around this time, because this is sort of our all of our anniversary and maybe get on an IG live, you know, in the next few months to probably talk about, you know, um, open submissions for this event, the precursor to the event that we want to put on.
2: Yeah, does IG live work well for you guys? I've only tried a few times. Yeah, it's fun.
0: It, It does.
1: It's fun. But I think if the three of us came on and we just like let our channels and our, you know, different audience know, I think it would be, uh, uh it'll be a very fun thing to do and engaging.
2: Sounds good.
1: Thank yeah. you. both. It
2: was so fun. Fun Friday afternoon. Yes.
0: Well, thank you so much for bringing us on.
1: <laughs> we'll hope to see you both soon. Uh, I know Randy's going to be coming out here the West Coast soon. And uh, Tracy, if you ever come out, uh, I'd love to uh, meet up.
2: I would love that. I don't know. I mean, I don't know, meaning like I don't know when I'll ever make it, but yes, I would love that. All
1: right. Well, have a wonderful weekend, both of you.
2: All right. Bye, guys.
1: Bye bye. Thank you.